Black, stop playing with him. Good people, what's going on, man? Sauce Talk is here, and I'm, I'm like I said, I'm wired. I'm like, I'm, I'm excited. Got my, you know, saying juices pumping. You know, got up real early this morning and got to see an interesting fight card um, in Japan um, for the first time. I've usually, you know, oversleep or I miss it or catch it in the middle of a fight of an anyway fight, but this time I actually was up. Got everything prepared for me to watch this fight. Even walked into work <laughs> watching this fight. And couldn't wait to t break it down and talk about it. And because you know it's fight week. One of the biggest fights of the decade we're going to talk about as well. And Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. That's whew, like highly anticipated fight of the decade, I think. And I think that, you know, people like Floyd, look at Oscar De La Hoya's. Bernard Hopkins, Roy Jones Jr., Canelo Alvarez, and so on and so forth. Pernell Whitaker's got to throw his name out there as well. Have had big time fights that are career defining. You know, Oscar, you know, I look at, you know, Shane Mosley. You look at, you know, even people like uh, 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 Marcos Mandana. You know what I'm saying? These fights can change in so much in your career. And, your preparation and everything changes. I mean, like, you got the more media on you, big fight. They want you to do more promo. They want you to put your face out there. Me, being the one that I was sitting there saying, Earl and, and Bud is going to have to really um, sell this fight. And, you know, but they, they stuck to their guns and did the best they could is how they wanted to promote and not be distracted from their gym work and getting ready to be prepared for the biggest showdown on July 29th, this Saturday night. In Las Vegas. Um, I I, I want to I mention too. That. It's like. I, I, I want to point this out man. Like just the whole presentation of it. Is that like. Jimmy Lennon Jr. man. It's crazy where he went out there in Japan. And did an excellent job. Of, of announcing. Uh, those names and stuff like that. I knew I couldn't have been able to do that. And just did a great job. He spoke Japanese at one point. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's somebody class act. And he can still do it the way he can do it, man. Um, I, I just wanted to point that out. It's like, that guy's always classy, man. Jimmy Lennon Jr. But, um... Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy morning. I, I usually say crazy night. But it was a crazy night in Japan. But it's a crazy morning for me to wake up and see such a raucous crowd, you know what I'm saying? Like, the fanfare was crazy. I mean, like, the the the, the back, back, back the behind-the-scenes footage of the locker room shots of uh, even um, Shishimi, he got he got stopped fifth-round TKO by um, Ramirez, who had a hell of a story coming into that fight, you know, being banished from, the, you know, from Cuba and having his tattoos uh, surgically removed, couldn't come out to a Cuban flag, you know, couldn't come out to a Cuban national anthem. Like, it, it was crazy that he has to go through what he has to go through. 
but still keeps his fight streak uh, ahead, winning 13 in a row. Um, I think this being his eighth stoppage, which is crazy. Um, he is definitely, definitely, definitely open my eyes, you know, for sure. Very, very good fighter. He is. But moving on to, like I said, just like I said, the fanfare and everything, the buildup to this main event was beautifully. I think Tim Bradley has gotten so much better being um, the analyst because starting out kind of kind of green. Um, Jill Tessitore always loves his voice involved in boxing, growing up being a part of fight night. Him and boxing just goes hand to hand. Kriegel is growing on me. He's trying. Kriegel's an interesting, interesting boxing voice. Um, I like some of the things he's got to say, and it's not all bad. So the the, the 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 commentary was on point. That's one good thing about box matches. So you don't have to mute your TV. You want to hear everything. Commentary was on point. I like that part of it. It wasn't too much on anyway. It wasn't too much on Fulton. And we're going to break down the fight. Um, Fulton, you know, the behind-the-scenes footage of what he wanted to do um, for what, what was talked about the build-up of the fight, for what I got to see from him. Because, you know, Steph, Stephen Fulton, somebody that we, as a, I would say, bigger boxing audience, might not know too much about him. Me, the hardcore boxing guy, have a peripheral eye on him. And knowing that, yeah, you're a champion at a, at a division that I did not, I, I really do not premiere of watching. Like, I don't. You know, Rigandale would be one of those outliers, Donaire, um, you know, was one of those guys that you might want to take a look at in any way. So when you had those guys in the lower class, you know, Pacquiao was another one, but he moved up, and I started paying attention to him more when he fought at 130. But when he was fighting at 118 and stuff like that, I remember seeing, like, those little clips or me glimpsing at his fights. Because at those times, you know, he'd be on those undercards, and you're like, who's this Pacquiao guy? You know, you Oh, look at his calf muscles. Wow, wow. Okay. And you, 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 you turn the channel, you know, or you wait for the main event. And usually a basketball game is on, a football game is on, or something like that. That you could be like, yeah, boxing match comes on a little later on. I ain't going to watch this. But, man, this dude got big calves. That's Fulton. That's Fulton. You know what I'm saying? Until you show me something. That was in your way. That was no nair. Um, Fulton has not shown me nothing. And then tonight he had a chance to. So his... Build-up was nice combinations. Um, smart, intelligent boxer from West Philly. You know, West Philly, Philadelphia, period. West Philly just having J-Rock being a champion. But when you look at Philadelphia, you think of Bernard Hoffman. You think of, you know, the history of Rocky. You think of people that come out of Joe Frazier. You think of the boxer lineage of Philadelphia, you know, Pennsylvania. And, you know, he had that on his shoulders. You know, brought in... Um, just a savviness. You look like he was just going to be a savvy boxer, tech, a technician that was going to try to, you know, possibly, um, you know, possibly it's a good chance to say, hey, um, possibly could come in and, and, and maybe outwork any way to make him frustrated, miss punches, you know, like looping shots. And, you know, those are the things that be kind of cool. Anyway, was coming in with, I'm having a challenge. This man literally said, he said, this is what he said. He's bigger. We, uh, he, the one thing he wanted to say was that he's bigger. He has an advantage by having 
already being comfortable in that weight. We already know this. But he said, you know, is this the things that he can do? He said he does everything well. He complimented Fulton to the top of the line of what he can do. He said, but he ain't seen me. He complimented Fulton everything he does. He seemed like he studied Fulton like a book. And he said he does a lot of things well. He does this, whatever. But he ain't seen me. And when you hear somebody say that confident and as cool as playing, he ain't do no Adrian Broner theatrics or nothing like that. He just said he ain't seen nobody like me. And that right there just speaks volumes to how dedicated somebody can be knowing the situation. And I look at somebody like, you know, Rigandale, I brought his name up a few minutes ago. I feel like if he was a bit younger, we don't really know his age. If he was a bit younger, he might would have did better against Lomachenko moving up. He might would have trained a little bit harder. Might would have got himself prepared. Being old as he was and being successful, trying to make that money, he tried to take on the impossible challenge and, and, and fell short and he had to quit because he knew what was going to happen. And I felt like somebody that could be a little bit younger, a little bit more hungrier, like in your way, wouldn't have that trouble. Pacquiao didn't. Um, Neither did, you know, the, the the other people moving up in the world. Because it's not just moving up from 118 to 122. It's moving up 130, 135, 140, 147. So when you look at people like Floyd, um, you look at people like Devin Haney, who's trying to do. You look at people like Tank, who's fought at 140 and moved up. You look at people like Adrian Broner, who's a two-time division champion, who moved up a couple times, then moved up to 147 and finally got beat. You look for the challenge. You try to find a challenge. And... Anyway, was looking at it like, man, I can fight at this 118 or 122 all day long, and I'm not going to get the recognition. So I need to take another chomp, you know, another bite at the apple and move up and see if I can, you know, if I can translate. And <laughs> people can always tell you how they feel when they can see a maturation. And, you know, sometimes they can be right, sometimes they can be wrong. But during this time, I think he's got he got himself frustrated when people were sitting there saying, well, if he's moving up like this, he's going to have to be juicing and stuff like that. I think that kind of got to his head a little bit to where when he had to get randomly tested, he showed his frustration because he's like, y'all doing this because of what people are saying. Y'all doing this because of what people are thinking and all this stuff like that. But no, just going through the precaution, I think that's something he had to get through. Now, when you sit there and say that as a professional boxer, a pugilist of the sport, you put yourself in a position to be like, oh, you mad about random drug testing? Really? So I wonder if Fulton and his camp or what they're going to do in the next six months with this defeat that they took and knockout victory by anyway, the monster. So that's the little something of a pill that y'all can swallow there, just to think. Will Fulton and his team be that team to be like, oh, man, I don't know, man. He, he, felt, he felt a little too strong, you know, because anyway, being the main attraction, being the box office guy, his fight in his hometown, home country, at that. <laughs> it, you, you put yourself in that position where you, you're coming in not with house money, but you got the unified belts. You are the favorite. You know what I'm saying? It, it it felt like Fulton was that guy to be like, well, I can beat him. But knowing that who's the main attraction and things like that anyway would also be the favorite, the betting favorite. And that's the one that's most important. But when you when you think about it, Fulton could have did some things. And we're going to get into the round one 
to where you you download information, you try to size your, your your guy up and things of that nature. When you're dealing with somebody in the NUA, you probably want to announce who you are first round. Announce who you are. Let NUA know this is who I am. And I think Fulton let NUA know I am not going to pressure you. I respect your power already. NUA through one right hand, I think it glanced Fulton. And Fulton instantly, instantly gave NUA too much respect, too much love after one little glove. And I, I felt like if he would have manned up and kind of ate that and got right back and pressured him, it didn't. It shouldn't have took to the, like the fourth round where he started trying to walk him down and pressure him because at that point now you're throwing slow punches. You're feeling defeated. You're feeling you lost your confidence. I know how a fighter feels inside, and I think by the time it got to that third round point, Fulton was already kind of like, I just need to touch him, and that's almost kind of like a basketball player to just be like, I just need to see one go in. I need to get a shot. They're mad and missing. You know, I played basketball yesterday and I made one, and then you're thinking that you're gonna make them all, and then you start missing a couple, and then you're like, oh, I gotta get one to go in. But only real shooters are going to just keep shooting. Boxers are going to keep punching when they're feeling. They're going to keep punching. They're going to, they're going to trust what they have. And I think anyway, put Fulton in a position always just to think so much so early. And you don't want to do that as a boxer. You know, you don't want to overthink things. You want to do what you do. And I think when you look at the highlights of Fulton, his thing was the one-two, jab to the body, like to come over the top. And he couldn't do it. He tried to do it a couple times anyway, backed out the way. Anyway, doesn't have the best head movement, but his quickness, his speed for him to back up is kind of like Roy Jones Jr. Got out of the way. Ducked a couple good punches, but he is a countering monster. And I think that was what Fulton respected so much that he was timid. He was tight. He didn't want to really open up because he like, damn, I don't want to get hit when he's counter shot because that shit hurt in the first round. Then we go to the fourth and fifth round, you notice that Fulton tried to step it up a little bit, tried to touch him a little bit more. And I think he could have had the fifth round, but you let NUA back in it by landing combinations, counter shots with a combination, and you let um, way too much go without throwing when you had a chance to win a round. Then you lose that round. Then it comes round six and seven. And I felt like in those rounds that Fulton, at that point, was like, I got to go for broke here. And not in a ways of saying I got to try to throw haymakers, knock them out. I got to really try to do something to to get to, to get some type of separation because NUA is separating from me, and I need to catch up and separate from him. And I think he tried to go for his best game plan, and that was try to put punches together, throw combinations. And NUA was like, hey, before you do that, let me stop you real quick with a nice little shot right here, nice little lift. And and those make you stop throwing combinations, make you want to be a person who wants to uh, walk a, a fighter down. And then we get to the eighth and ninth round. Of course, when we get to the end, because uh, it was a ninth round stoppage, you have the eighth round where you've seen, you know, because just like Kriegel had it four to nothing in the first four rounds, and then after that you look at it you're like, yeah, six nothing, and then it's like, yeah, seven. I, to me, Fulton didn't win a round. He didn't win not one solitary round. It was not one round that I felt like. He landed one good right hand. I think it was in the seventh round he landed one, but he was, you know, uh, anyway, was already kind of glancing back, so it was kind of like a glance shot, but it landed. He landed a couple good shots here and there, but just nothing solid, nothing to win a round. And I felt like the eighth round was the writing on the wall what could happen because Nose started getting a little bit more bloody. He started to be defeated. He's, you can see it in his face. 
you know, that rat tail was starting to look real deflated. Um, and the ninth round, it just came with a short counter shot. And then, I mean, he hit him so hard. Anyway, turns on a kill switch, and man, he just started swinging. <laughs> oh, God. You know, I was. You just think like in a work environment, you know, I'm sitting there going crazy. They're like, what's going on? I'm like, it's a fight going on. You know, it's just like it was crazy. And, of course, getting up, I knew the fight was over. I said, they're going to be stopping this here in the next 15 seconds. And, and that's what happened. And anyway, so accurate whenever he turns on the color money mode, as I like to call it, and, and put, on a, put on a show for us to be like, wow, you know, he's really that deal. He knocked out a unified champion in that weight class and become – the four uh, become a four division champ, and after leaving his undisputed titles, he becomes a unified champion just like that, and now could be undisputed with another fight at this weight class. So the question is, can he be good at 130 pounds? Can he be good at 135? These are the questions. You know, these are the questions. You know, Fulton Fulton made it so easy though. That's the thing. Fulton made it so easy just to be like, who is out there at 126 that he can fight? Because if Fulton was out there beating guys like he was nothing where he can have a little bit of a, a good intro, because be real, I mean, we'll be honest if you're good or not. You know, somebody can be like, oh, man, I don't know about this. You know, Fulton was given a good shot in this fight. He was given a favorite type shot in this fight. So it wasn't like he was a landslide underdog and he was going to go in there and get washed. I mean, of course, you know, people was going to be like, in your way, the monster. He's going to move up and he's going to win this fight. Tank Davis, when he fought Berrios, everybody knew Tank was going to beat Berrios. We didn't give a damn if he was moving up or not. You know, when Leo Santa Cruz was moving up to fight Tank, we was in there saying, damn, Tank, why are you fighting under 30 pounder? You know, when Fulton was fighting anyway, we were like, I don't know, man. Fulton might be in trouble. That's when you know. That, that anyway is the real deal. And now we just got to see if he can move up to 130, 135, where the real money at, where the real fight's at, where, the, where we can see him be something like Man, uh, Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao was in the 118s. He was in the 122s. He was in the 126s. Then he was in the 130s. Then he was in the 135s. Then he was 140, 140. He's like, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. This is why he's going to the Hall of Fame. So at 28 years old, I believe NUA is, does he have it in him? to keep moving up because is it hard for him to gain weight? Does he get sloppy if he does? But this walk-around weight, does he walk around at 135? Does he walk around at 140? Or does he stay at around like 120, 130? You know, where does, where does he walk around at? You know, I think that's important. If he walks around comfortably at 130 pounds, he could probably move up to 135 maybe and, and call it that and be, uh, what, a five-time divisional champ? I mean, what, 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 yeah, yeah, be 130, say 130, or he can move to 135, be a six-time division champ. And then you got 140, be seven. Then you go 147, be eight. Pacquiao's done it. So it's not something impossible. Anyway, can keep on moving up, and we can see if that power can translate, just like with Tank Davis. Like, he can keep moving up and see if that power translates. Because when you got power like that, you have a chance to win any type of fight. And when you see somebody like a Tank Davis who was on record saying that, man, I wish I could spar Earl Spence, and, you know, his trainer, like, yeah, you can do that shit if you want to. Anyway, to me, seems like he has it in him to be like, man, I spar fucking Tia Female, I don't care. I, 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 I spar Tank. Could you imagine Tank versus Anyway? I mean, like, could you imagine? 
if if NUA could move up and be powerful still at 130 and then move up to 135 and Tank is still floating around there, could you imagine that type of fight? Could you imagine Corey Stevenson versus NUA? Could you imagine that? I mean, we've had so many names in the lightweight division that is, that is you know, tried it. Mikey Garcia moved up to fight Errol Spence. Didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just Errol, Adrian Broner. Didn't happen. So, can a guy move from 122 to 126 and then take the jump to 130, 135? You know, these are the these are the challenges that you can do. You know, these are challenges. You know, James Tony, welterweight, middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight. He did that. Roy Jones Jr., middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight. He did that. You know, you got people like Jamel Charlo was taking a big shot, moving up two weight classes to fight Canelo Alvarez in 168. You've seen it. He understands. He's going to put in the work. He's walking around weight. It's probably around that. So, I mean, it's just things and how you feel and how you can make it happen. Floyd Mayweather fought at 154 pounds. was the highest he fought. Catch weight. 154 pounds. Floyd Mayweather, who started at 130 pounds. He ended up fighting at 154 by the end of his career. The money, the fame, if you want it, you got to take the challenges. And that's the challenge. Terrence Crawford, just the same. You know, him being at 135, 140, now 147. He had to take the necessary steps to climb. We saw him struggle against Gamboa at 135. We saw him go to 140 and make a cakewalk, you know, against those bums. Then we come to full circle and him having to fight leftovers of Earl Spence to show his might. Because we're not going to count Horn. We're not going to count uh, that, 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 I can't even remember his damn name, that he fought at the BLK. Now, we can, we can give him Benavidez. We can give him uh, Sean Porter, you know, give him, give him those guys. But Amir Khan? Really? Really? We gonna give him that? Uh, so, with with like I was saying, with anyway, it's the same thing with Terrence Crawford. It just we haven't seen it because it just took so long. But this is Terrence Crawford's basically like doing what anyway's doing. Because like I said, you can sit there and try to be like, oh man, you know, Sean Porter wasn't the same guy. And he can sit there and tell you with this or whatever. I think it was some video he was saying, you know, I was different in the Spence fight, different in this fight, but in a better way. You know, he felt better against Crawford than he did against Spence. Who knows? All I know is is that when usually when you fight somebody after they beat them, it's really not too much to read into it. Seeing that Sean Porter got beat by Earl Spence, good fight it was. Earl Spence had moments to where he could have stopped Sean to where Sean ended up being stopped by his dad more than the referee against Terrence Crawford in my opinion I thought Sean Porter could have finished the fight wasn't going to get stopped his dad did that um, so when you look at Terrence Crawford his his resume at 147 this is basically his you know biggest fight biggest challenge and I think that just like anyway did today Terrence Crawford this Saturday night is is taking on that same type of task. So here we are.
you know, here we are. We have a chance to um, see greatness, man. See the two best guys go head-to-head at a time where it's not saying, oh, man, he's close to 40 and, and stuff like that. Because, you know, the Pacquiao-Floyd situation, people were sitting there like, oh, man, like they're going to wait till Pacquiao get And people worried about Pacquiao getting old, and it's like Floyd's being older. So nobody's worried about Floyd losing any. You know what I'm saying? I guess they people knew Floyd wasn't going to lose nothing. I guess people thought that Manny was not better than Floyd to begin with, thinking that, well, if Floyd can be just right, good old enough and Pacquiao is just about young enough, he'll get him. <laughs> That's the way people think. And it's crazy, it's sad, and it's whatever, but it's it's wild to see people go about that and, and receive that type of, um, I don't know, it's weird. It's a weird feeling to know that no matter what, just there's always some type of catch to it. You know, age, this, would you know, did, did he juice, uh, good training camp, things of that nature. You know, you look at all those things, and you look at people that have it flawless, you know, saying six weeks, eight weeks out before the fight, and you hate to hear the excuse of, oh, I, I – separated my shoulder in camp. I knew it was going to be tough to deal with. Or, uh, you know, because we've seen that even in the UFC. Uh, what was that? That one fight that happened last this year where, uh, I got to get the name right, TJ Dillashaw put it all on the line out there to try to win his belt by, win his belt back and knew he had a junk shoulder and knew his shoulder was junk and did not say anything and went out there and tried to fight and his shoulder was junk. So when the audience is thinking like, oh man, that just happened. No, he knew that was going to happen. He knew his shoulder was on like 5%. So I mean, like all that comes into play and I'm so happy that we're not hearing nothing, no leaks, no this, because in this today's age of social media, that's all it is, is leaks and tells and this, oh man, I heard such and such had a uh, such and such uh, dislocated this and all that stuff like that. We've heard it all. We've heard all that stuff before, right? We've heard it all. And when you have a fight of this magnitude, I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of an example, especially of a big time fight. If it was I mean, I'm I mean, thank God that We've had a lot of big fights that didn't go the way. Um, some of not so big when you hear maybe this or that, injury prone this, whatever. I remember Floyd Mayweather going against Jose uh, Luis Castillo, and he had some hand problems coming into that fight. And a lot of people thought Floyd Mayweather lost that fight. And with hand problems, shoulder problems, I think he had a labrum problem uh, in that fight too, where he had to use his right hand. And he couldn't use his left hand. And I think it was a couple fights like that. And by the grace, he was able to still show up and put out and, and, win, and win those fights. There's instances where guys that come in and don't say a word and they lose. And they say, well, I broke my hand, such and such. <laughs> it, it, it mind boggles me, man. It mind boggles me. I, I, I can't stand it. 
But sometimes some things can really go on and you're like, am I going to mess up a check for X amount of dollars that's going to be having me straight for the rest of the year or a whole year or whatever. So, I mean, that always comes into play. And we've seen some disappointing moments come from that. But thank God that this week we have not had, with, with the, I would say, the buildup and everything like that since the fight got announced, I would say, right after Tank versus Garcia in February. No, it wasn't February, it was April. Um, that there was going to be no injuries. There was going to be no, you know, no, no this, no that. Now, we've heard Terrence Crawford move the goalposts on negotiations. We've heard ring walk this, uh, you know, ring gloves this. Something that we usually would not hear about years ago in boxing that we might hear about later or telltale stories, this, whatever like that. But social media is so open and broad on things that we can know about certain things, just down to... Terrence Crawford not liking hot sauce. So it made people think, well, Earl Spence got a mole in the camp. So now we understand there could be people in camps that will sit there and get hired on, they get information, and give it to the other fight camps. I mean, we've had that happen several times. People have been accused of that um, down to Deontay Wilder with Ryan Garcia or years back whenever uh, Sergey Kovalev uh, against Andre Ward. Um, um, a lot of different things come from that to where they like, man, was this the right guy to have in our corner? Was he, you know, really on our side or was he on the other side? And it's something that, that may have happened plenty of times in boxing, but in social media days today, we hear about it. And we hear about those leery type things. We hear about people trying to figure out the weaknesses or maybe a person maybe got hurt, cracked ribs here, whatever. So far, I think we're pretty online to have a good straight up and down, 50-50 down the middle fight between Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. What am I looking for? I'm looking for in this fight with like a lot of fights. We'll give a few examples just to break it down. <laughs> Off the top of the dome, we're going here. I mean, I got no papers in front of me, no nothing just to show you. Um, my knowledge in the sport and what I'm pumped up for to where whenever those things come in line, whenever I could be totally professional, man, I'd be dangerous. But anyway, you look at these three fights and I and I will pluck a few of them. Shane Mosey, Austin Delahoy won, even though Shane Mosey had a little PED issue with that. Canelo, Triple G won. And I'm going to say Paul Williams versus Sergio Martinez won. Because two, we already know. In those three fights, I look at what this fight can be. Difference, difference in, in a lot of things, but just similarities that I'm going to give to you. First off, Paul Williams, Sergio Martinez won. I look at this fight being in that competitive style. One guy gets off, one guy got to get off. Paul Williams, pressure, thousand puncher, that's her. Sergio Martinez, more of a chess guy, going to throw power shots. 
He's savvy. He's going to do a lot of little movements here and there. He's going to try to use the ring as much as he can. But he's going to throw hard shots. That's Terrence Bud Crawford. He's not shying away from throwing hard shots at Earl Spence. I guarantee you not. But he's going to use the ring. He's going to box. He's going to try to get Earl off that Terminator, I'm coming through you mode. He's going to try to deter that the best way he can because not nobody has been able to do that. And judging by the sparring stories I'm hearing, I don't think Floyd was able to do that. So, I mean, when somebody's just coming at you, got a chin, by the way, and is going to throw shots. I mean, just think back to Lamont Peterson fight with Errol Spence. I mean, he comes at you full force with pressure, body shots, head shots, this, one, two, bang, go down, bang. So, whatever you throw at him, you better, you better be feet set, nice, because he's going to be there. It's not, well, man... You know, Terrence is having a hard time catching Errol. I don't think you're going to hear that too much. He's going to be standing right there. It's just, can you take what he gives? And are you going to break in the in the, in, in whatever round, six, seven, eight, nine? As people say, it was going to be a seven-run knockout, knockdown happening. Um, so, I don't know on that. Either fighter. But I know the pressure is going to be – the stone is going to be set by Errol – and it's going to be, what is Bud going to do to compete with that? And his way, and just like Max Kellerman said, in the best way is like he goes into a bully mode to where he sees that you heard or, you know, Earl's had some moments where he's been shooken up or, or been kind of delayed after getting hit. He better not do that to Terrence. He better not do that to Terrence Crawford. He would eat him alive. And Terrence better not be in one spot, standing still, being against the corner or Thinking I'm gonna, you know, go toe to toe inside the phone booth. He's gonna have to use his range. He's gonna have to step back and things of that nature. I mean, it's just gonna have to happen. Other things I'm looking for that is in the line of Paul Williams, Sergio Martinez is that don't waste nothing. You know, don't. Waste rounds. Don't. I look back at that first fight. There was not one round wasted. Not one round wasted in that fight, man. And I'm hoping that these two premier athletes, these two pound-for-pound fighters, don't waste a second in that ring. Don't waste it. Don't don't sit there and plod and sit there and be like, you know, we don't want those rounds. And be like, oh, man, it's tough to score that one. They really didn't kind of, they was just filling each other out and then beating the fourth round. I think by the time we get in the fourth round, we need to start seeing some action, you know, especially preferably in the second and third. I, like I said, I, I go back to the true. I go back to my three three examples. Now my second one, Triple G, Canelo one. Triple G. It's going to be Errol in this situation. Canelo. It's going to be Terrence Crawford in this situation. He's going to, have to move. He's going to have to find ways of counter shots. He's going to, you know, you know, those, those, what was it, like four, five, six round where Canelo was sitting there moving, punching, head movement, ha, move here, get you here. He won those rounds. Triple G won rounds, get him in that corner, making him pay, you know, eating the hard shot, but making him feel him, you know, saying like, I mean, Canelo hit him with a hard one, but Triple G hit him with a hard one too. So, I mean, like that fight I see happening, I could see that type of fight happening between these two. And it can go in that balance where Triple G 
To me, after that fight, I thought he won. I immediately said, well, Triple G won that fight. And then they called it a draw. I watched it again. And I was like, yeah, it was a draw. And I, I mean, it took me a couple times to watch it. But at first, I was like, Triple G won that fight, man. Because I felt like he had the pressure. He did what he was supposed to do. He went to the body. He got Canelo tired in the seventh round. He did those necessary things. But Canelo fought hard, man. He fought back. I think 10th round, it was a 10th round. It was one of those later rounds. Canelo really came out there and brought it. And I and I really appreciated that. It was kind of reminiscent of how uh, Floyd kind of felt against Cotto, even though Floyd was winning that fight. He felt Cotto getting a little too strong and feeling a little too good about himself, and he had to let him know real quick. You got to give that round. You got to have a round like that. If you feel in some type of way, you, you, you got to be like, hold on now, hold on now. And I think Bud would have to do that more than Errol. But I see a lot of similarities in that in that fight right there. Triple G and Canelo won. My other one, like I said, um, Shane Mosley and Oscar De La Hoya won. Where Shane, when Shane Mosley shocked and beat Oscar. Closer fight than what people thought. Um, especially me, I thought it was closer. But Errol can't be discouraged to not throw something. I felt like Shane Mosley kind of got De La Hoya discouraged to, to stop throwing certain punches. Just like Floyd did. Earl Spence, in no shape or form, cannot let Terrence Crawford stop him from throwing what he wants to throw. Because then the fight would be just like Shane Mosley versus Oscar De La Hoya. He will find something and he will key on it and he will use it. And and that's why I look at Terrence Crawford as like, I like the way he throws his hooks. I love his hooks. Love his hooks. He's got a nice... Nice, nice left hook. He's got a nice right hook. I love how he puts those combinations together. Good jab. I like his body work. He's an athlete, uh, big-time wrestler. So, I mean, he can get inside. He knows how to get angles, change levels. Just um, just how he did <laughs> Lundy. <laughs> oh, God. It was embarrassing what he did to Lundy. I think that I go back to one of my favorite highlights on stoppage. Man, it just – he 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 – Bull rushed him, man. It just made him pay. Um, so that was that was definitely somehow on my list of a stoppage right there. So I mean, like I said, I see that fight in there to where Shane Mosley was just being, you know, a person was like, I'm gonna counter you. I'm gonna counter you. Crawford is going to have to counter, 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 just to beat Earl Spence. Earl Spence is going to have to stop the counter and be able to demobilize, man. And I think the body work is going to have to show. You know, uh, there's been times where Terrence. Crawford's been hitting the body and acting kind of funny. Nothing worth a stoppage. Nothing worth a saying he's hurt. But you can tell body shots from Arrow definitely may change the fight wholeheartedly if he's able to land that on, on Terrence Crawford. So for you betters out there, when you're looking at trying to bet on the knockout, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't see a stoppage happening for either. I think both guys got way too much pride to be dropping you know saying to get finished you know i i mean knockouts happen all the time one lucky you know shot in a lucky spot can put the lights out but i don't see it i don't see it happening that way but we'll see <laughs> we will definitely see saturday night but those are my three examples and those are my three fights that i put that fight in my eyes i close my eyes and i see the visualized 12 rounds and those are the fights i see i see triple g versus canelo one i see Shane Mosley, Oscar De La Hoya won, and I see Paul Williams versus Sergio Martinez won. Now, you notice I picked three fights that had rematches attached to it 
because this this fight is followed by an immediate rematch. Shane Mosley won the second one. Sergio won the second one. And uh, no, my third example. I'm sitting over here having a, a brain, but the, you know the second one on. Um, I said Sergio Martinez, Paul Williams, first one. Sergio devastating knockout on the second uh, second fight. Um, Triple G Canelo, we all know in the second fight, Canelo came out there with a more sustaining game plan and didn't tire out and got the victory. And then Shane Mosley won the second one against Oscar De La Hoya. And I think that, you know, with Canelo winning that second Triple G fight plays to more of Triple G's age. I think Oscar De La Hoya on the second fight was like, man, this dude's juicing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Paul Williams, I think that fight was just a lucky shot, lucky moment. I think that fight would have been a great 12-round fight to where Paul Williams could have won. It could have went either way. But I, just Sergio just landed a perfectly timed shot. Then Marquez landed on Pacquiao. That, that Pacquiao could have possibly won that fight, of, you know, of the four they did. But that fight, I could see to where if that did happen, if Sergio landed a good shot on Paul Williams, so can Terrence or so can Errol Spence. So, I mean, they both have that type of power. Paul Williams has that type of, you know, punch fervor that that, uh, that, that Errol Spence has. It's like, I'm going to throw eight to nine hundred punches and see if we can deal with it, brother. And, I mean, I, I think he's just a little bit more stronger than Paul Williams. So, those are my three examples. And I and I think that those those fights is how this fight is going to play out. I don't see no Sugar Ray Leonard versus Hagler, Hearns, and all that stuff like that. I see the magnitude of that. I see the the history of you looking back at those fights. But those three fights that I just now called out is what you may see visually in that ring. Paul Williams, Southpaw. Um, no, Sergio is Southpaw. Um, Paul Williams did switch. Triple G. Kind of more of a southpaw kind of guy. Canelo switched conventional. So we have both of that in this fight. Shane Mosley, they were both conventional in that fight, Oscar and Shane Mosley. But seen switches from both guys. And I don't see too much switching from Errol Spence, but I def- damn sure going to see some switching from Terrence Crawford from conventional to southpaw. i definitely going to see more switching from him to try to just – Change it up, just angles here and there. But you don't want to see him switch too, too much into um, southpaw just because Earl's a southpaw. I just think, I think, I think Terrence got enough skill to where he can fight a whole fight conventional against southpaw. I, 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 mean, I highly believe that, but I do believe that he will switch a, quite a bit um, middle rounds. Try to just switch it up just a little bit. We can fight fire with fire, you know. Have two southpaws in the middle ring type deal. Um, kind of like we saw in the co-main event with, um, I can't think how to say his name now. It's already Tshishimi and uh, Ramirez. Um, two southpaws going at it, and it was a fifth-round stoppage. Those are the things I feel that, you know, if Terrence was going to win this fight, keys to victory, I'm not giving those out yet as far as saying, like, who I want to win. I ain't picking that out yet. We're going to do some more episodes, but... Just to kick it off for fight week, I mean, to throw an episode out there. I told TikTok, Facebook, you know, that I was going to put one out and be talking about the fights. And, of course, talking about Inouye being five-time or four-time 
division champion, unified in this new 126-pounder division over Steve Steph Fulton. It's like, why are you going to call Steph? I dig it. But anyway, it's already somebody called that way better than you. Um, I just, I, I feel bad. I feel bad for Fulton and just a little bit of saying, like, I'm the unified guy in this weight class, but I don't have the cachet he has, and I got to go to Japan. So he tried to use a little mind game. He tried to come out late, you know, try to make the champ wait. Um, the champ making the champ wait. You know, I ain't going to come right out. So I'm, we're going we're gonna to wait this out. So anyway, waited it out and didn't come out. So made sure it wasn't no way in the ring. Smart by anyways, team. Just a little boxing there. Just a little boxing. Both of them had horsehair gloves. Both of them, you know, had the Everlast joints on. But, man, you know, anyway just got so much heavy hands. People... Are worried about what gloves you're gonna wear because you know you got punchers types gloves out there that could really mess you up and you know the, the negotiate boxing negotiations now being more out in the open because of what we talk about this is like a wrestling wrestling gets more talk out in the open because of social media and if you look at it now that's what it is I mean that, that is significantly what it is now to where the negotiations got to be so perfect for the A side. The B-side feels unfair when they lose, and they tell the public, the media, they tell everybody, oh, I got did unfair negotiation. Get your ass to be the A-side. That's the, the name of the game. Nothing is done equally unless you're equal to the box office. And just no different of saying uh, Tank made uh, Ryan Garcia rehydration clause. You wanted to fight Tank Davis. Tank Davis did could have went on without his career fighting Ryan Garcia. You wanted to fight Tank Davis. You had to go through the things to fight Tank Davis so here you are. Terrence Crawford, same thing. He just been more of a baby about it. Errol Spence, more of a I don't want to fight. I don't want nobody looking at me like I'm some duck. I just I, whatever you want, you got it. And he got every single thing he wanted for this fight. That's why people were saying, like, what's well, Shakur Stevenson should have took twenty five percent and fought Haney. Do you think Haney was gonna sign the deal if he'd have said, I, I take your twenty five percent deal? No. He was gonna be like, Well, nah, I'm good. You do nothing for me. Because, honestly, he did not want to try to move back down. He didn't want to try to cut that weight again. He feels drained. He knows there's more money up in the higher weight classes. He feels like, man, I got to wait on Shakur. No, I'm not fighting him. Here's 25%. You turn that down, then we can wait it out. What Shakur do? He calls WBC, gets Suleiman on the go. You are the new mandatory to fight Devin Haney for the WBC in Undisputed Lightweight Championship. Devin Haney says, you know what? You can take these belts and shove it up your ass. Fuck them belts. I'm moving to 140 to try to fight Regis Progress. So there we have it. Shakur Stevenson, Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, Frank Martin, Keyshawn Davis, Isak um, Cruz. Of any other names I'm forgetting about, is that's hanging, hovering around in that, in that 135 range. Gary Russell, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like if he wants to get his ass in the ring, or in that vicinity. They can be, hey, let's, 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 get, let's get Oscar Valdez is still there. So, I mean, there's guys still there. Josh Taylor, you know, uh, 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 Regis, I don't know if Barrio's going to stay 147, 140. Got Tia Fimo, the champ, rain and running things. Devin Haney pretty much got an easy way at 140. I mean, not an easy way, not an easy, easy way, but if you think about it, I, if he beats Regis, in a way of like, yeah, we know he can do that. He can do the same thing to Josh. He can do the same thing to these other guys too. You know, Barrios, 
We seen him lose the tank. We seen him lose the uh, Keith Thurman at 147. We know that he ain't really about that life. So I mean, like, there's not a whole lot of guys that he can, you know, go up there and try to make big, big money off of. So why would you try to lowball Shakur Stevenson? You didn't want to fight him. So this one, people, the people that's jumping in the comments and TikTok, like, he should have took the 25 percent if he wanted to fight. He just all talk. No, Devin Haynes gonna go up there and make a lot more money fighting bums than fighting a tough fight against Shakur Stevenson, where he might have to put out some money. He's just, I'll give you this 25 percent, so you can say no. Think about it, man. Just think about that. Y'all think about that, and then we can sit there and, and have a real conversation for the people in the comments to feel like people are scared because they don't want to just take whatever money's offered to them. That is the most backwards thing. Yeah, if you sit there and feel like, like a lottery in a sense, like, oh, man, it's like the lottery. He's offering you a fight. But but I'm not 1-0. I'm not 5-0. I'm not, you know, you know, a one and zero guy, a ten and zero guy, would take a twenty five percent deal. Not a person who's took the time to establish himself. People know who Shakur Stevenson is. No, he's not Canelo Big. He's not even Tank Big. He's not even Tyson Fury. But we know who Shakur is. We know where he's from. We know he's undefeated. We know he's an Olympic, not gold medalist. We know he was in the Olympics, so he has cachet. To not to at least be off for thirty five on a good day, which that was Friday was a good day. The offer thirty five, I'm pretty sure Shakur would have been like, bet. Don't need forty. Don't need forty five. Don't need fifty. Just give me going. Go and give me that thirty five. And I guarantee that fight would have been made if Haney wanted it to be made. So he did not. So I give you twenty five percent. That's something a three and zero guy would take. That's what you got to understand, people. Errol Spence was like, I'd be damned if I let you get the bigger split, but I'm going to give you this and this and this and this to where I wouldn't have the bigger split, but you can have a ring walk this or paper, rock, scissors, this, or all that, 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 that. If you want all that bullshit, you can have it. And just know I'm making more money than you, and I'm going to beat you. That's what he feels. He's frustrated by it. That's why Ryan Garcia was wanting to sit there and try to make people feel bad about Tank because Tank was sitting there like, all Tank was like, man, look, you wanted to fight me so bad, I just fought at 140. I'm coming back down 135 to fight you, and now this make make people think that I'm going to want to stay in this weight class, but maybe I might want to do that because now there's more fights with Shakur and this guy, whatever. But damn, Haney moved to 140. He might want to move up to 140 to fight him. So go ahead and sign us for a rehydration clause because your ass is already floating around 140, Ryan Garcia. You're kind of a bigger guy. We do this rehydration clause that you're going to try to complain about and have everybody sit there calling me out about. But let's make it fair. And people got so bugged out about that, but it's like he's the A side, man. Like you wanted to fight me. You're not going to try to catch me while you trying to be a weight bully. It's just make it make sense. Like like Ryan Garcia put it, try to put himself in a position where he was going to come in the bigger fighter. Still probably wouldn't have worked out for him, but you're not going to play me like that when I'm the A side. Bottom line. Bottom line. 
Um, before I head out of here, I do want to shout out some quick congratulations to some previous winners. Frank Martin on his win. Um, Clarissa Shields, I wanted to congratulate her on her win. I never did get to come over here and say, but most importantly, Alicia Baumgartner, who just fought recently, she uh, avenged her uh, uh, loss that she had and went out there and looked amazing, fought in her hometown, brought out Sada Baby, Sada Baby, turned it up. She turned up. She looked good as hell, too. That's somebody that can look that good. I don't know if I remember that. Layla Ali. And Chris Shields, she's she not ugly. I'm not, you know, Chris Shields is a pretty girl. She's a pretty girl, especially with uh, her, you know, I will always say that, you know, you come from the mud, you know what I'm saying, you, you focus head down, and she realized that I'm now trying to be more, you see my face, my smile. Chris Shields done a full 360 on how she promotes herself. And I and I love that. Baumgartner, man, shh, God, lovely. I would love to see her and Meyer fight again. I want to see that so bad. I want to see. Uh, I would love to see. I would love to see that man. Her that rematch. That that was a hell of a fight. I want to see Serrano go against uh, Shields if that can happen. Like if Serrano have to move up, I don't. I think she has to move up. But I would love to see Serrano move up because I think she's in her thirties. If she move up and fight Shields, that would be a hell of a fight. Serrano be wearing Jordan ones out there, or Jordan six rings and shit. That'd be a hell of a fight. You're getting to know more about these women um, as they're getting better. I think Baumgartner throws the best hooks, one of the best punchers. I think she's one of the best punching, technical punchers I've ever seen, hands down, man or one female. She throws clean shots. I mean, like, she is like, I mean, Floyd almost kind of like, you know, Floyd had a unique way of throwing shots because he had the Philly roll and stuff. But how she just throws the buy shots, the hooks, and how she just, she tight, she covers herself up, she, and she picks up the phone. She is something else. I love Alicia Baumgartner, man. I love her. That's my crush. That's my new crush right there. Alicia Baumgartner, if you ever, somebody be like, man, somebody talking about you on this podcast, it's me. It's me. Probably see me on Twitter shouting you out and stuff, too. But, man, that's going to be my episode, man, of Sauce Talk. I wanted to get that out there. It's fight week. We're going to keep it on. I'm going to try to get some guests to talk about this fight, get some get some predictions and things like that as we get closer and closer. I'm going to try to get my cousin, um, Jared Terry, um, uh, Jet Fitness. Um, out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, doing big things with that, the personal trainer. Um, he wanted me to come out there and watch the fight. I said, look here, man, you, 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 to drive 16 hours to come watch the fight is wild business. I can't do it. But we're going to definitely parlay and kick it. And I definitely wanted to get him on here so we can push his, uh, uh, his, his, his personal trainer business. He's also a hell of a dietitian too. So, I mean, like, he's got, it, he's got it all working. And I think he can put a lot of people in the right path. He's already given people amazing results. I've um, seen from his social medias. You'll look at Jet Fitness, man. 304 Jet Fitness, man. Just check it out. Um, representing 304, not in the title, but just representing 304. I just was wanted to point that out there. But Jet Fitness, Jared Terry, man, putting you out there. Putting you out there. Um, also, I want to shout out. I do want to shout out somebody else, and that would be um, the fact that in the boxing world, when you when you when you um it's kind of like a, it's kind of like one of those things where you work hard on anything you know just like you work hard trying to be a lawyer doctor whatever like that but this boxing game is so grimy and so crazy you 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 you're kind of twisted on how you are with rewards and 
some people may feel like Jamel Charlo being able to fight Canelo is like a, a, a spiteful thing, you know, for Canelo to pick the 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 the, the other guy. Because for the last four years, it's been is Canelo fighting Jamal Charlo, and to see Jamel get this opportunity to fight Canelo Alvarez in October is one of the biggest things that was in October. Is it October? I think it's October. I want to say it's in October. They're supposed to be yeah, in October. It was November. No, October, November. I think Tyson Fury and Nagano was in October. To have this fight. Oh, in August. They're fighting in August. I get the fight date. One of my point is, is this. Get my shit out. I don't feel bad for Jamal Charlo. I don't feel bad for Jamal Charlo. I feel uplifted. For Jamel. But it was some spiteful shit. We all know there's some spiteful shit going on here. We all know for years we talked about Jamal Charlo fighting Canelo Alvarez. And and it felt like that that or Demetrius Andre and Billy Joe Saunders. He ends up getting the fight. Caleb Plants ends up getting the fight. And a couple other bums. Like a freaking, I can't even remember his damn name. He was so bummy. Ryder got the chance to fight Canelo. But now, lo and behold... Jamel Charlo, who is undisputed at 154 pounds, gets the chance to move up two weight classes. And that's what Canelo said. Hey, I moved up two weight classes to fight uh, 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 Bibble. Now, I did it slowly. I moved up one and then moved up to the next. And then I moved up to 175, beating uh, 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 Kovalev. And then lost to Bibble. So, I mean, he can look at it as like, hey, I've done it. Jamel is up for it. Jamal was at 154 and moved up to try to fight Canelo. That's what I'm saying. It's very spiteful because Jamal followed Canelo around pretty much. He left 154, went to 160. Canelo went to 165. He went there. He didn't fight him. He went to 168. He didn't fight him. <laughs> so now we got Demetrius Andrade and Jamal Charlo family on a strange you know, live chat. And there they are chopping it up. And they're talking about their agreeing to a fight. So hopefully that gets made. Jamal and Demetrius Andre, the two guys that's been wanting to fight Canelo for so long, going to lock horns when they were supposed to years ago and it never did happen. That could be something that could boost you. You know what I'm saying? That type of fight can boost it. Jamal did not do a good job of following Canelo fighting good guys. And I don't think he wanted to fight Canelo so bad he turned down good fights. I think he could have fought Billy Joe. He could have fought this guy. He could have fought that guy. He could have fought David Benavidez, maybe. But he was one Canelo before that. You know, I just... Now David Benavidez might get closer to Canelo after this Jamel fight. So who knows how this is going to go down. But like I said, from the top of this last thing I'm going to say, and that is that the opportunity could come to you in many different ways. And you just can't... You can't feel bad. You know, I know Jamel is like, man, that's my twin brother. I know this probably a percentage of like, damn. But you, you, you got to shut it out. You got to make it a 0% thing, man. It's your opportunity. It's your time. Jamal should support him all 100% oh, to the max. It's going to be a good fight. Hopefully it is. Hopefully because the reason why I say that is because Jamel walks around at that weight. 168 ain't nothing. It's just getting into that fight mode because he might be faster. He might be stronger, just like Earl Spence said. So stay focused. I'm talking to everybody out there. Stay focused. You never know when that opportunity comes to you. That's why I'm trying to stay focused and quit beating off my path and, 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 and the opportunity may come. 
Jamel Charlo, undisputed 154 pounds, had a loss to Tony Harrison, avenged it, went to a fight of the year with Castano, had another fight with him and stopped him, and look what the Lord gave him. A chance to beat the face of boxing. Look how it works. Y'all have a good day. Sauce Talk is out.